Welcome to the Moving Markets podcast on Wednesday, the 27th of September, with me, Bernadette Anderko. As usual today, we'll be bringing you up to speed with the latest events in the financial markets, and uh, Roman Canciani's in the hot seat there today. And Dario Messi is going to be joining the show to update us on the focus of the bond markets just now. But first, let's crack on with what's been moving markets overnight with Roman. Good morning, Roman. Good morning, Bernadette. Well, um, if we look at the stock and bond market scoreboards this month, I think deserves the tagline surrender September, with most equity markets down between 3 and 7%, I think, and, and yields up sharply, especially in the US. The only major stock market in the plus this month so far is London, where lower inflation and improved consumer sentiment have helped to drive its major index up by 2.5%. Otherwise, it's a sea of red. Can you tell us what was driving the markets yesterday, Roman? Well, yes, uh, surrender September is quite apt. The uh, news flow was suboptimal from the start of the trading day, starting with the Asian market falling sharply, as various US central bank speakers had repeated the Fed's mantra that yields will stay higher for longer, pushing US 10-year yields above the psychologically important 4.5% level and to levels not seen since 2007. Add to this uh, worries about the Chinese economy and its property market in particular, and you have an explanation for the poor start to the day. Okay, but surely this uh, higher for longer mantra you mentioned should be slowly priced into equity and bond markets, right? Well, yes, if you believe in efficient and super rational markets, that would certainly be the case. However, there are various strategists uh, who say that the markets have simply been too complacent, uh, or perhaps in more rational terms, uh, they have underestimated the resilience of the US economy, while the Fed hasn't. And then there was Jamie Dimon, the chairman and CEO of uh, JP Morgan Chase, uh, on tape two, sending shivers down investors' spines with his ID that US interest rates could reach 7%, certainly a scenario that could catch consumers and businesses off guard. Okay, so that sounds like a lot of coulds and woulds. So let's talk about data. Um, I saw the US consumer confidence data came in below expectations. Was that also a trigger for the move lower? Absolutely. The uh, US consumer confidence numbers, which are a pretty good leading indicator of the country's economic well-being came in lower than expected. The actual figure for September was 103 compared with 108.7 in August and against expectations of 105.5. So this data point was just another confirmation of the bad sentiment across markets and triggered another wave of selling. All three major equity gauges in the US, so the Dow Jones, the S&P 500 and the Nasdaq 100, ended the day down at three-month lows. The S&P 500 was down 1.5%, with none of its 11 sectors posting a positive performance on the day. Also, the Nasdaq 100 ended down by 1.5%, dragged down lower by uh, the big tech companies, with Amazon, for example, down 4% on the day, or news that it faces an antitrust lawsuit in the US. Perhaps an interesting detail here is that, according to a note from Citigroup strategists, uh, positioning in the Nasdaq 100 is now slightly lopsided, net short at 
8.1 billion US dollars, meaning that investors collectively believe there is more downside than upside to the tech-heavy index in the coming month. The same actually holds true when looking at the positioning data for the S&P 500, uh, and the VIX index, actually uh, commonly regarded as the market's fear gauge, is now trading around 19 points, its highest level since May this year. Meanwhile, yields have more or less held on to Monday's gains, with the notable exception of the two-year US Treasury, which fell around six basis points overnight on the back of a well-received new bond auction and possibly growing fears of a possible government shutdown in the US in early October. But uh, Dario will have more on this uh, specific risk. The only asset that seems to be rising every day at the moment is the US dollar, which uh, hit a fresh nine-month high against its major peers overnight. Okay, so uh, what's in the overnight news then? And have the Asian markets managed to buck this trend of the ever-falling prices? Well, there is some positive news out of China this morning, uh, where it was reported that industrial profits rose in August at the fastest pace in more than a year, which could be interpreted as the economy slowly stabilizing there. However, after a brief bounce, markets there are now trading range-bound up between 0.2 and 0.5% as we speak. Elsewhere, Australia's monthly inflation measure accelerated, mirroring global trends amid higher oil prices and bolstering the case for the Reserve Bank there to raise its benchmark interest rate again this year. Okay, then uh, finally, what, what have we got in store for investors today? What do you think investors should be looking out for, especially in terms of new data? Well, it looks like a, a light data day today with a preliminary US durable good orders for August, uh, the highlight due out in the afternoon. Expectations are for a decline of 0.5% in August after a decline of 5.2% in July. The real data test for the markets uh, will come later this week uh, with the US PCE deflator, the Fed's preferred measure of inflation, to be released on Friday. That's it from me. As ever, thanks very much for the update and the insights, Roman. So now I promised at the top of the show, um, we've got Dario here from Fixed Income Research for an update on what's happening in the bond markets. Good morning, Dario. Good morning, Bernadette. So uh, over the last two weeks, we've had monetary policy decisions from a, a huge number of central banks and the bond markets have had a lot to digest. So from an investor perspective, what are the key takeaways? Yeah, you're right. Definitely a lot to digest and uh, certainly also more lively events that we had uh, that we were used uh, in the more recent past. And we definitely also see it when we look at the bond market and where yields went. Uh, once again, we heard it before, the 10-year the U.S. Treasury yield above 4.5%. That's, uh, that's quite a while we didn't see uh, it. But also the German Bund, when you look at that one, slowly approaching the 3%. Um, now, what do we learn? I would say we learned um, what the economic data is already telling us a bit. So the Fed is already very restricti restrictive in its policy, but the, the resilience of the economy means uh, it is also needed. And uh, as a consequence, it, it is once again the discussion, uh, Roman mentioned it before, how long does the Fed need to stay so restrictive? And this is probably also the reason why it's not just about the very short end of the curve where we see the moves now, but uh, really also the longer end with, which moved again. Then the Eurozone on the other side, I mean, here, uh, this one sees a much stronger transmission of this tighter monetary policy into uh, 
uh, economic activity. Uh, we have credit dynamics that are weakening sharply. Um, and yes, the, the ECB hiked another 25 basis points. But I would say the, the signal from President Lagarde was quite clear here, uh, to, to us at least, that the default path going forward is now staying at this restrictive level and not hiking further, which, by the way, we also now think is what will uh, eventually happen. So this was probably even a bit more forward guidance from the ECB, at least, that we got um, the, rather than what we expected. Okay, so is this sort of difference in focus between the US and the Eurozone one of the reasons why you also pointed out the attractiveness of Euro bonds recently, despite the lower yield compared with their US counterparts? Uh, yes, uh, it is. Uh, for quite a while, we were negative on the Euro-denominated bonds, uh, especially the high investment grade space, where you basically got no compensation for, for holding it. Um, the starting point now is totally different. Um, there is some decent yield. And also, if we consider now the move in yields since the start of the second half of uh, 2023, and also what we saw before, um, also the monetary policy outlook that I just described uh, before, uh, we see duration exposure in euro becoming more attractive. And the euro high-grade segment uh, has a relative high duration exposure on average and is highly sensitive to the rate and inflation outlook. So it is for us a logical consequence or to uh, have this segment to implement the idea of, of uh, longer duration. This is why we decided to upgrade the segment to our weight, even if there is still this yield disadvantage that you mentioned before compared to the dollar space. And on top of this also, we are still quite cautious on credit exposure and the euro high grade shows extremely good credit characteristics by definition and is therefore not really at risk when it comes to any kind of credit events. Okay, thanks for the explanation there. So now if we look at the US, uh, fiscal headlines are popping up again with commentators already starting to get agitated about the prospect of a, a government shutdown. It seems it's our yearly Groundhog Day. Um, are there any serious issues here? Yeah, let's say first of all, um, yes, there are many observers saying uh, shutdown is very likely now. Um, that one would basically already start by Sunday when the new fiscal year in the US starts. And yeah, I mean, you see it's Sunday, not much time left to reach an agreement. In general, we think it it is probably not going to be a big issue. In our view, it's not about a debt limit or a possible sovereign default like we had earlier this year. So not that much of an issue. Um, shutdown means non-essential government workers stay at home. Uh, some salaries are uh, only paid later. So in essence, it's basically the longer the shutdown goes, the more it will just cost in terms of growth. Um, but this is also why at some point, even if we go into a, a shutdown, at some point, pressure will definitely build on policymakers to reach here an agreement uh, once again. Thank you very much for the insights, Darius. It was great to have you on the show. Thank you. Well, that's it for today's podcast. Um, I'd just like to thank my guests for contributing and, of course, you for listening. Please join us again tomorrow when Helen Freer will be here with our experts to guide you through what's moving commodity markets, amongst other topics. Meanwhile, good luck today and goodbye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. 
please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Beyond Markets is a weekly podcast where Julius Bear experts and external speakers discuss some of the latest market developments. They share their key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape and present practical advice. Search for Beyond Markets on your favourite podcast player.